Welcome back in Strike Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. The PGA Tour continues to roll on week four. Travelers Championship. I'm one of my favorite TPCs. I've, I've been fortunate over the last uh, you know, few years of my life to be able to play across the country, play a number of the TPCs, and I love TPC River Highland. So I was excited to see PGA Tour go back there. And, uh, well, Dustin Johnson... He, uh, he finds some fire with the putter and gets his 21st win on the PGA Tour. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Of course, the tour now continues on. The fourth event since coming back over in Detroit in a little bigger ballpark, the Detroit Golf Club. We're going to get to that as we get into the Stripe show here. But joining me, my guest this week, I've been working on getting this guy on, Pat Mayo. He is the man on the Pat Mayo experience. If you know anything about fantasy golf at all, Perhaps you probably learned it from Pat Mayo himself. He's joining me now to help break down the travelers and look ahead to Detroit. Pat, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Another fun week. I, the fields have been so good so far that once we get to Detroit, it's, it's kind of a letdown. Yeah, it is a little bit of a letdown, of course. And we got Bryson, right? I mean, Bryson's playing and, you know, there's and Webb. It's good to see Webb coming back after having to withdraw from last week. And Patrick Reed's there. We're going to get to that. But you're probably counting your money. Right now, right. I know you were big on DJ last week. DJ wins, keeps the consecutive streak going every year now for 13 years. Congratulations. Uh, he caught fire with the putter. Yeah, the irons and the putter. That, that's all it really took. It was shocking to see how bad he was off the tee yeah. in the fourth round. So the first round and the fourth round, I mean, his two worst rounds of the week. I mean, obviously round one a little bit worse, but coming off a of heritage where he was second to Brooks in driving for the week, like, it's astonishing to see him. And then all of a sudden, he gets on 18, breaks out the driver, and hits the drive of the day. So it's it just really bizarre. Like, he made that far more interesting than it ever had any right to be. <laughs> I know. It. I mean, it was kind of strange. I mean, Brendan Todd hadn't missed a fairway, it felt like, in, you know, the entire week. Um, steps up to 12 and just makes a complete debacle of it. it. Takes him six shots to get on the green ends up making triple and then just changed the whole complexity of the tournament. DJ steps up on the next hole um, and, you know, he hits one out of balance and he hits one in the water on 15. And it was, you know, that's, that's the fascinating thing about DJ, right? You just don't know what's coming next, but he's usually going to beat you with the long ball. He did on the last hole, but what's fascinating with DJ, but you know, my, my background is a little more on the teaching side and, you know, when players start switching putters, it like drives you nuts. I mean, it absolutely drives you nuts, right? And I was talking with this coach, Alan Terrell, a few months ago. I said, it's got to drive you nuts when DJ switching putters so much. Three weeks, three different putters. This one better stay in the bag when they show up in Ohio. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, they <laughs> seem to work out. I got to ask you about the ruling, the out of bounds on the par five for DJ. It's kind of a stupid rule, isn't it? Like, it was, what, like two inches out of bounds? Clearly, it could have been playable if he wanted to go play it. But yeah. had he put it into the water on the right-hand side, that he would have been less penalized for that? It just, it, It's such a weird rule from time to time. Yeah, it is. OB is one of those that's up in the air. You know, it's a good point. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see OB go completely away. Um, and just make it all lateral, a lateral hazard like the water, right? Where you just go up there and you have your choices where you take one, one shot and off you go. Where OB is strength, or it's, it's, it's the stroke and the distance. So you have to re-tee it um, from the tee. So it is kind of weird when you're, when you're looking at it. It's like, 
well, just get in there and hit it, right? It's like half inch out of bounds. It's not in the dude's yard. So just get in there and hit it. It is kind of weird. Growing up, I never thought about it that way. But now that everything's under the spotlight, I, I do think that's a rule that will probably just go to one stroke, move it over, off you go. But anyway, he, he hits it out of bounds there. How, how does the ball not go in the water on 15 is what I want to know. I mean, how does that ball hit on the downslope and then just stay right there? I mean, it was it, it was an incredible break. And then he gets up onto the 72nd hole and he hits his biggest drive uh, of the week. So you got to like DJ moving ahead here. I mean, he's if he's going to putt like this, I mean, who's going to beat him? Yeah, but I mean, you gain six strokes putting in a week. That's not really replicable, like week to week. Uh, putting, notoriously unpredictable, uh, DJ goes. I mean, one of the reasons that I was on DJ last week, because ball striking is relatively predictable. I always try to use the thing where in any given round, Ben Ann can lead the field in putting, regardless of who's in that field. You just have a hot round with the putter. There is no world in which Wes Bryan ever outdrives Dustin Johnson. It's just never going to happen. So you try to lean on the predictable metrics, as predictable as possible when it comes down to it, because a hot putter is a hot putter. Like even just looking at this week, like Brennan Steele, notorious bad putter, gained two more strokes on the greens than any other player in the field. So it's really hard to cap putting. So you try to, when you're making your picks, you try to gravitate towards the more predictable stuff. And like I said, with DJ, second off the tee at Harbortown, he was top 10 in irons, ball striking, he was top five. He couldn't putter chip. Now, it doesn't mean he'll never putter chip. He chipped pretty well this week. He putted excellently. But if he goes back to losing a stroke at Memorial, then you know it's not going to be super shocking. Right. But it is interesting, though. Like, you, I mean, he, he clearly wasn't happy with his putting, right? I mean, he's, he's switching putters. Um, he comes in his third putter in three weeks. But this is, this is DJ. This is the way he rolls. He's probably – no one's put more putters in play than, than Dustin Johnson. And, and uh, that's all it takes is one little different look. couple start to go in. These guys catch fire, and off they go. What do you make of Phil Mickelson? You know, he opens up pretty well Thursday, Friday. Is this guy ever going to hit the ball good enough, you think, to get back in the winner's circle? It's it's really going to depend on the course, I think. Like we saw a lot of crossover between Pebble Beach leaderboard and the leaderboard this week. Genesis was another one. Valspar was another one where a lot of these places just cross over in terms of it must be the look off the tee, I'm guessing, and just how you sh shape your shots or you know some of the green complexes that there's a familiarity to some of these places. RSM was another one for sneaky guys coming up, like lesser known names, like the Will Gordon types and the, the Tyler Duncan types of the world kind of popped up, all scattered about that RSM leaderboard over the past three years. Mackenzie Hughes, former winner of that event too. Yeah. So, I mean, with Phil, I think he's got another run in him, but it's probably going to have to, it's a lot. I mean, Tiger won Zozo uh, over in Japan, but no one had really played that course before. But as we'd seen, Tiger tends to do his best work at courses where he's had a lot of success in the past. Yeah. Uh, with Phil's extra distance off the tee, I think it makes him alive for a lot of places. Clearly the short game is never going to be a problem, but he needs to get his, almost like when we get to Detroit, you need to get your irons and your putter on the same page for all four rounds. And you kind of mentioned Brendan Todd, the guy couldn't miss a fairway. It's really reminiscent of Graham Dillette at Heritage a few years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the year that Wes Bryan actually won at Heritage, I believe. I think he had hit almost like Abraham answered it this year. He had hit almost every green in regulation through three rounds. I think he had missed two or something like that. And Graham Dillette, love Graham Dillette. Uh, hopefully he gets better soon. The back gets itself all worked out and he can get back on tour, become a ball striking maestro again. But we all know he has a terrible short game. Uh, he went through a case of the yips for a while around the greens. That 
if someone is hitting that high of a rate of greens and regulation or like Brendan Todd, he's hitting that high of a rate of fairways. Like Brendan Todd is the most accurate player on tour. So it's not yeah. shocking to see this happen over three rounds or even two rounds hitting every fairway. But, you know, he's a 77% guy to hit like a hundred percent of the week. Just, it's not going to continue. And it's like, when you see the guys putting and the, you know, someone's gained 10 strokes putting through two rounds, chances are they're not going to gain 20 for the week. It's going to revert back at least to some modicum of normalcy. So these are always a good, the best players to go target against someone who is just batting outside of their league and putting up numbers that are just not sustainable whatsoever. Could they do it for another round? Sure. It's just like, you know, if red hits, 10 times in a row on the roulette wheel. That doesn't mean it's not going to come up the 11th time, but it's back to 50-50 again. Yeah, it, it's funny with golf like that, you know. I mean, DJ's on one side of it. He, he catches fire with the putter. And then Brendan Todd, you know, I mean, the dude looks like a machine out there. He looked like, kind of reminded me of Francisco Molinari when he was on his run, you know, uh, a year ago where the dude just looked like the ball was just coming out of, like, this gun. I mean, it was just the same thing every single time and then all of a sudden it just fell apart and then with with brendan it was this you know he kind of leaked one off to the right into the bunker and the whole thing just fell apart it was just like it it looked so steady yet it was so fragile and the dude doesn't even finish in the top 10 so it's it's a fragile game in that way do you play do you play golf pat i, I wanted to ask do you, do you do you get out there and swing it at all very rarely anymore. I grew up playing, but you know, I do 10 shows a week, so don't have a ton of time. Also, being located in Toronto, uh, you really have to venture outside of the city. I live downtown, so it takes me like two hours to get to any course that, you know, isn't a the ones in the city are all very expensive private clubs. I'm Pat Mayo of the internet. I'm not going to be able to afford to play there. So I need to go way outside the city. Just don't have the time. I also have two kids under 16 months, so not a lot of free time right now. Two kids under 16 months. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you said you're doing 10 shows a week? Yeah, always 10 shows a week. I mean, we have golf, we have football, we have MMA, and we cover the whole gamut of gambling and fantasy. Okay. And now you partnered up with DraftKings. You also are a part of a, a terrific website, fantasynational.com. I would highly recommend it. We're in the process of getting some things set up with, uh, with you and your partner, Moose. Our terrific website. Uh, stay tuned for some, for some details on that. I don't know if you saw, but uh, NBC took over um, from Fox um, the rights to the USGA. They'll be doing the U.S. Open this year. I'm curious, when you watch golf on TV, what do, what do you prefer? NBC, CBS, Fox? Who, who, who do you like? Who, who's, your, who's your go-to? I try to listen to the radio as much as you possible. To to the, radio. the TV okay. coverage is absolutely abysmal. Uh, just especially for what I'm watching golf for. Like my dad, when he sits down, He's not looking at Fantasy National. He doesn't have, you know, thousands of dollars riding on this. Uh, he doesn't have a head-to-head -head with Hank Lebiota and Brant Snedeker coming down to the stretch. And I really want to see if Hammer and Hank can make that seven-foot putt on 18 to win his daily matchup. He didn't. I got informed by Shot Tracker. Most of the time, I'm like watching it or listening to it, and I'm scrolling through Shot Tracker the entire time to see my guys and what they're up to. But it's still a niche right now. We'll get to the point where we can have cameras on every hole. We'll have a red zone for golf. We'll call it the green zone. I can host. We can get it sponsored by DraftKings, put the live odds up on the board the entire time. It'll be fantastic. We can integrate Fantasy National and just the stats that we have. I mean, how often does someone like Hank Lebiota miss an eight-foot putt on POA? You know, we'll have the stats like that. 
to come and figure it out. If people want to go check out Fantasy National, uh, if you just use slash mayo at the end of Fantasy National, you get yourself 20% off. Check out the weekly. Um, like you said, it's a complete comprehensive staff base. Yeah. It has all the tools. I've hit four of the past five winners, so I credit all that to Fantasy National because I'm usually a gigantic loser when it comes to picking winners, but so far, so good this year. But uh, I actually liked what Fox was doing. Uh, yeah. I appreciate like CBS has had the same broadcast for 30 years. It's ridiculous. They re- and it really got exposed this year at Riviera when all those guys were near the lead and they could not figure out who to show. They wanted to show Varner for a really long time. And then Varner topped that ball on 10. They didn't even show that until like two hours later. They couldn't get him off TV quick enough. Adam Scott. I mean, obviously he was running away with it. They were showing him, but they kept showing Rory who was fluttering out of it. And then all of a sudden, Joel Damon, who I had money on to win is in second place. We don't see him at Riviera until Adam Scott almost hits him off the tee on 16. Like they're eventually coming around. There's enough noise because I mean, social media, pretty terrible place by and large, but from time to time, you can use your voice to be heard. And just people have heard the complaining. I think for pure quality, just because of the synergy with Golf Channel, the NBC does put on the best product. But I just like the innovations that Fox yeah. was bringing. They just really tried out a lot of stuff, uh, whether it be the cams in the bunkers, all the jib shots. Like a- as a production person, uh, I was really high on what Fox was trying out. The issue was like, would they pay like $12.5 billion or something crazy like that for the rights to the USGA? And frankly, I mean, and they got the Franklin Templeton shootout as well. Great. Uh, no one's really going to be watching that in December when football is on. But realistically, like you get the men's US Open, the US Amateur, the ladies' women, uh, the women's US Open. But the women's US Open and the US Am aren't actual draws for a TV product. They're a part of the package. But realistically, you're putting all your eggs in one basket with the U.S. Open in terms of viewers to sell sponsorship, to recoup some of that money, because the other events just aren't drawing that, like nothing against them. But in terms of overall viewership, we're just not seeing it. So it was a bad investment on their part. They don't have the infrastructure uh, where they only have the two events. They have to test out everything at the Franklin Templeton shootout for the U.S. Open. If they had like three or four more events throughout the course of the season, I think Fox really could have been a really good player and a really good influence on the rest of the TV industry and the way that they broadcast golf, but they just didn't have the reps and you see them once a year. And then anytime anything changes in golf, I mean, the average viewership's like 60, uh, that they're just going to be very up in arms about anything new. And that's what Fox was trying out. So I appreciate it, but I don't think that the general viewer did. You get the more classic NBC style broadcast that people are used to for the u.s open now and i'm guessing people are going to love it yeah that's why i was hoping the players was going to happen because they did have a camera in every group right you would be able to see every shot from every player at this year's players championship which um, didn't happen i do think that's where it's going though right because of the influence of fantasy golf of gambling um like you're like you were saying pat you want to see what hank leviota is doing right and because you've got him in a head-to-head matchup, even though he is, you know, T51 at this point, there's there's other ways, um, there's other things that are on the line um, when it comes to fantasy sports. How, how has fantasy sports grown? You've been doing this for a long time, and you look at it now in golf. Where Where's the growth been? How would you describe it, say, now versus just, say, two or three years ago? 
Well, in terms of like contest size, golf is second on DraftKings to football in terms of the giant payouts and the prize pools and the number of people that you can get in. Now, baseball and basketball still technically outrank it and handle because it's every single night. Uh, whereas golf, you only get the once a week plus all the showdown contests, which is for each individual round. But it's tremendous. I mean, the thing that you can see as the biggest influence that DraftKings and betting on golf has had on the PGA Tour is check out the ratings from Golf Channel Thursday and Friday from three years ago and compare it to now. When you break down the demographics, the overall viewers, everyone's getting younger. Young people like buying on DraftKings. Young people enjoy to bet. They know how to bet, at least online. That's always going to be the biggest part of this is you know, I can convince you to throw down whatever you want to wager on Dustin Johnson this week. You can go play a DraftKings lineup. There's a millionaire maker this week for $20. You enter your 20 bucks, you might win a million dollars. It's not you and your viewers I need to convince. It's crotchety old guy at the country club like, hey, you got a ton of money. Here's how you put $100 on Dustin Johnson. I know you want to bet on stuff. You're walking around the course betting on everything. Here's how you bet on golf. You need to figure out a very easy way to convince those people to get in. Then all of a sudden, all this TV broadcasting, now that it's geared towards them because they have a stake in it, will change immediately. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. Yeah, it's, it's definitely growing. It's funny since... You know, I'm doing this show, uh, it's called The Matchup um, with DraftKings. We're just doing head-to-head stuff. Nothing as extravagant as what you're doing on the Pat Mayo experience. But since I started doing it, just my ecosystem, right, which, you know, on Instagram, you know, we're up to like 125,000 followers, pretty engaged, active. And you can see them starting to really come up and warm up to it. And just now, week four into it, how, how many more DMs I'm getting, how many more texts I'm getting, and saying, wow, this is a blast. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm glued to my TV on a Saturday afternoon um, watching Joel Damon, you know, and following him on, on. so it, it's happening, right? But I think you make, a, you make a valid point. Like, you know, you go out to these, these golf courses and, you know, your, your dad and his buddies are out there throwing around, you know, 20, 30 bucks. And, but, hey, here's an easy way to bet on DJ and Brendan Todd and Patrick Reed. They would do it, right? And so it's, it's, it's cool to see the growth of, of fantasy golf. And I'm excited for it. I've always played um, fantasy football for years, probably more fantasy golf just in the last, you know, probably three or four years. And I'm in the business, you know, I'm in the teaching side of it. So it kind of took me a little bit just to kind of get into the whole basics of, of fantasy, of fantasy golf. So um, I think it's great. PGA tour is behind it. Of course, DraftKings is partnered with PGA tour. Uh, it's just going to continue to grow and grow. And it really does put you right in the center of the action. The Millimaker, as you mentioned, um, don't use Pat. Use mine. Use my promo code, uh, you know, to, when you set up a new account. <laughs> when you set up a new account, you use Travis. That gets you into the free entry. 
2.5 million into it. But there's a lot of ways to play, Pat. I mean, there's not, it's not just, you just don't have to play in that. There's other games that you can play. And I got into the weekend game and I was sitting so good on Sunday. And Rory doubled 16. And I had to step outside and take a cigarette break. And I don't even smoke. I mean, I do smoke. So I was taking cigarette breaks the entire time. <laughs> but the big thing with Rory and I, I really thought that the I, I was listening to the radio broadcast when he put it into the water uh, and the way that they broke it down, I thought was pretty disingenuous because Rory being you know, the best player in the world, he's not out to come in fourth at the Travelers Championship. So they were giving him all this heat about, oh, he got a bit too aggressive out of the bunker. Well, what's he supposed to do? He needs to go post a number. He's not with his current score, making par on 17 is also not going to win. So what's the difference between double bogey and par for him? At that point, he's not Will Gordon trying to secure his tour card. He's Rory McIlroy trying to win an event. And the only way he can win an event is if he goes like 10 under on the day. And even then, he may not have a chance. And with two holes to go, like, what are you going to lay up out of the bunker? He knows it's probably a 1% shot, but he's got to take it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, excuse me, he doubled 17. He He birdied 16, pulled the bunker shot, and then he doubled 17 and he didn't get it up and down on 15. He drove it to the front of the green on Sunday. Didn't get anyway. These are the conversations you have with yourself, right? This is what fantasy golf does is it just keeps you right there with them. And I wanted to be watching Rory, you know, all the way through, but anyway, well, well, one of the big, I had, I had first on the weekend going into the last few holes there. And anyway, that double, uh, that double hurt a little bit. Well, the big thing is I, that people are starting to realize is how often PGA golfers miss eight-foot putts. It's like it yes. never occurred to anyone that they only make yep. them at like a 40% clip. Yep. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. That was one of the points I had on there is is when with, with fantasy golf, like you see the bad, right? I mean, the bad becomes much more apparent than it did when you were just watching the coverage because the coverage is showing the good. And then when you're the bad, right, like Harold Varner, when he topped it off a 10 and started like get him off the TV screen, you know, fantasy guys are probably still watching him, right? They still want to watch him on the back end, but it is a difference. You are going to see the bad, um, you know, for sure. Let me, let me ask you this. Give me a name or two that has just pissed you off too many times over the years. Oh my God. Every time I play Jason Kokrak, he misses the cut. And every time I fade Jason Kokrak, he comes like sixth. It's like clockwork. It's almost insane how that works. Max Homa is another one or Homa because the PGA tour corrected me on that pronunciation when I was doing videos for them. Sorry. I'm Canadian. This is how it works out. It's my accent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Max. Like I love you. Every time I use you, you miss the cut again. Every time I don't T4, something crazy like that. So uh, you don't ever let that sway you when it comes down to it. Like one of the cool features on Fantasy Nationals, we have an anti-bias mode up in the right-hand corner that strips the names of the players and just gives them generic creative player names. And then you can just look at the stats unfiltered without having the allure of the name that goes next to it. And then you know what are the stats actually telling you when you don't see the name Patrick Reed or whoever it might be next to a player. It's one of the few things I like to do at the beginning of every week, just to give myself a sense of where people are sitting. So I always really like that as a teacher. I, I got to ask you. Yeah. I'm always saying, maybe you have better insight. I mean, you do have better insight than this to me, but what percentage of PGA players right now, do you suppose have like an analytics team for them at each event? Um, I'd say most, most, yeah. 
Is that a new thing or is that something that's been around for ages? I'd say in the last four to five years, that number has grown significantly. And and what do you, what do those guys do exactly? Well, I think they're, I think they're, they're showing them, you know, a, what their strengths and weaknesses are and then how to play those particular types of golf courses based upon their strengths and weaknesses. And then also based off what the statistics are telling, there's a great, there's a great program called Decade. Have you heard of that? No. Um, you should look at it, Decade. And the name, the guy that owns that, <clears throat> excuse me, is Scott Fawcett. And he's got, you know, statistical data um, just like you do. And, and the best ways to play every single hole. And the big controversy last week was 15th, right, on how to play 15th. According to Scott, they were playing it incorrectly um, based upon what the data is showing. Um, that little strip on the left-hand side before you get into the water was rough, right? We saw DJ's ball stop there. Uh, if that's shaved down, then, of course, all those golf balls are going into the water. Um, but what's the best way to play that hole? Because if you if you drive it and you go and, and you miss it to the right, it's dead, right? You know, not everybody's getting it up and down there. The best way to play that hole statistically is to bring up is a, is a layup short, like, like Rory did on 16, is just to hit it short and then pitch the ball up. So that, what you just said is super interesting. So there was a big study done. I forget who it was. It was years ago about number 10 at Riviera and how you should play the hole realistically was determined by where the pin placement was that day. If the ball, if the pin, the tee was at the front or the pin was at the front of the green, you should try to attack it in one, because if you fly it, you can still get it up and down from behind. You're not dead because you have so much green to work with. However, if the pin is at the back, there's more green to work with, obviously. But if you miss, you're making bogey. Uh, and it's really hard to get it to sit on the back of that green. So in that case, you're best to lay up. It's just I see a lot of these players make the wrong mathematical decision. So that's why I always wondered if they actually do have analytics teams or they hire like an analytics consulting firm, they get a packet sent to them about the course and just never read it. Well, I I would tell you that like decade, uh, Mark Brody is another one who is the guy that um, designed strokes game. So Mark Brody designed strokes game statistic. He has um, a lot of data on this. And then Scott Fawcett with decade is basically shipping out packets to his players on the best way to play the hole, right? Now, from there, you have to decide, you know, based upon how you play and what your strengths and weaknesses are uh, on how you're gonna play about that hole. But, you know, the one thing we've learned is that statistically, I mean, we know distance is king, right? And, you know, like for a par five, for example, if I, you know, before it's like, I can't get there, right? Like I hit my driver and I can't get there, I'm gonna lay up to the number. Well, the statistics show that the closer you get, right? The, the percent goes down, right? The number, the stroke average goes down, right? So it's like, you should just hit it as far as you can all the time. So that's the baseline of the truth, right? We see that with Bryson. We see that play on the modern game. I mean, just look at the top five, the top 10, all these guys are bombers for the most part. You know, Webb's not real short. He still hits at 297. You know, tour average is 285, I think right now. So, you know, the longer you hit it, if there's a flag and there's a hole, there's an advantage. Where when I was growing up, par fives, hit your driver, lay up to 100 yards. That's my favorite distance, right? But the reality is, is like the physics show, no, hit your three wood up there, you know, get it up there as far as you can. And over a course of time, that plays out and that's going to give you a better stroke average over a large group of, of some. So you have to kind of play it out. I know at that moment of time, when to take on more risk, when not to. I found it interesting in 15. 
no matter where the flag was, Pat, your best play was to come up short. We have another full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash prizes don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action with a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes with your first deposit. It's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the Sally cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off on Thursday. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up the points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use code Travis during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes. That's code Travis, and you can get a free shot at over $1 million in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, it was just so few people, unless, unless you hit the lucky drive that actually I remember in round, I think it was two, uh, when it, the pin was up on the back right, that a couple guys did get it within eight feet for eagle. Now, maybe you've weighed the risk reward and you feel that comfortable with your shot shape and the distance control there that you can get it close. But like you said, if you miss, all of a sudden you're looking at par, not the easy birdie, which it right. should be. You're getting too greedy playing for eagle when you should just play for birdie. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. You should look at decades. Great. Scott Foss has done a, a terrific job. Scott was a former mini tour player and he just takes a complete look at it from a statistical standpoint and, and looking at where these balls are, are, are ending up and where people are getting up and down and saying, look, here's the book on how to play these holes. Um, no surprise that through this study and, 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 and through the involvement of this tiger has been the best at this. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. Right. For his entire career. Um, but it is, it, it is interesting, you know, and, and I would say to go back to your question, God, it's got to be 80%. It's got to be 80% at least, you know, I, I, I'd have to, I'm going to look into that a little bit and just kind of see what that number is. But I know it's talked about a lot more. I know these coaches are looking at it with their players a lot at the end of the year where the opportunities are. And I would have to think on a week to week basis, playing out those numbers on how they're going to play in, you know, each, each hole um, as it comes out. But it's, it's a new era for sure. I mean, it's bomb and gouge. I mean, I don't know how long you've been in golf, but, you know, when when I was young and growing up, you know, distance had an advantage, but it just seemed, you know, the, the strategic part, it was a little more balanced out, right? You had the Fred Funks, you had the Corey Pavins, you know, and the Zach Johnsons, and they were up there all the time with, you know, with the bigger hitters, right? And now it's it's like, you know, here you got, you got Rory, you got Rom, you got Brooks, you got DJ, you got JT, right? And just get out of my way, red ass, here it comes. We'll go find it. It doesn't matter if it's in the rough because the statistics say, send it, baby, just go. Yeah, well, I mean, distance has always had its place. I mean, John Daly doesn't win two majors out of nowhere. I mean, the guy hits the ball farther than anyone, especially at the time. Like Davis Love was still one of the bigger hitters on tour in his time. Phil was. Obviously, then Tiger comes around and like just no one can keep up with him. The big difference now, as opposed to like 30 years ago, when you're talking about your Brad Faxons or your Corey Pavins, like Corey Pavins a little dude, but like Rory is a little dude. So yeah. is Justin Thomas. So is, I mean, Jordan Spieth doesn't hit the ball quite as far as those guys or can hit the ball off the tee at all 
this point, but Justin Thomas and Rory would have been like the Corey Pavins and Faxons of their time in terms of distance. But the way that Tiger molded everyone to treat golf like you're training for football and to get that core strength to really build yourself up, these guys have added like 50 yards onto their drive. So they're the same types of players, except they all added the distance. They can all neutralize that now. And if you're not going to keep up, like you said, like Webb hits it like 290 and he seems like he bunts it off the tee, that he's basically Zach Johnson. He's not. (laughs) It does. I I was doing some research this morning. I looked at Webb. I'm like, damn, Webb's 297, you know? I mean, and, and he feels like he's insignificant you know, off of the tee, you know, you know, when Tiger came along, it was like, you know, damn, he's big, you know, he's, you know, he's six, two, he's, you know, you can just see he's cut, he's ripped. looks like an athlete. Right. And, and now Bryson looks like inside linebacker, you know, I mean, pretty soon it's going to be like, we're going to have defensive tackles out there, you know, hitting the golf ball. I mean, it's an athletic game. You guys are changing the game. And even, you know, back to when I was younger, it was like, don't lift, don't swim. These are bad for golf. Right. I mean, come on. I mean, you, you know, you get you, be, you get athletic, you get stronger with Bryson. You know, he's maintained his length and his swing. He hasn't gotten shorter in his swing length. So I think that's key. I think Tiger got a little bulky there for a while and that caused some issues. But, you know, he's leaned out. I think it's in a better spot. We'll see if we'll see if Bryson can maintain this. But it's amazing. I mean, he's he's up there in the 322 mark on average. Um, you know, we saw a couple of drives, 340, 350. I think he right now, apples to apples, is 15 to 20 past Rory, which is crazy. You know, 15 to 20 past Rory. And as we kind of look ahead here, I want to lob this ahead a little bit, you know, Rocket Mortgage, um, and get some insight from you so I can make some money this week. Um, Detroit Golf Club, second year, Donald Ross design. Uh, gosh, I mean, I remember this tournament last year, Pat, and Nate Lashley's an alternate, right? Gets in, wins the tournament. Um, I think like first time in like four years, with Vaughn Taylor or something. Yeah, Vaughn Taylor at Pebble in 2016 was the last half. There you go, Vaughn Taylor, yep. Uh, Who was was swinging on the robot. There's this robot, Pat, and he's in there, and he swings on this robot that moves him, right, into positions, crazy. And he, and he gets in, um, or Vaughn Taylor gets in, wins that tournament in Pebble Beach. Nate Lashley now does it last year in Detroit. And Doc Redmond Monday qualified and finished second. Yeah, it's a, it's, this is a glorified corn fairy event. <laughs> is essentially what it is. Like sometimes you see those pop up throughout the course of the year. Like uh, the American Express at PGA West is kind of the same way. Uh, I mean, at this point, John Deere is kind of the same way where, there's a, and there's a mentality to it. It seems, at least to me, because it's not you're not getting the draw. I mean, we had we've had major quality fields the last three weeks, and yeah. this field is stronger than it was last year, but it's significantly worse than it's been each of the past three weeks. Like you mentioned, the top guys here this week, it's Webb, Reed, and Bryson. Those are your top three. And then you have Hideki lingering around. Finau. I mean, Ricky, the overrated Ricky Fowler. Always fun to see him. He's a Rocket Mortgage guy, so he needs to be there. Uh, Sungjae is popping up as well. So it's like a quality field, just not so, so strong. But then you get past that midpoint and it just drops off. Like Hatton's here. Like the Euro contingent is pretty good because it seems like they're just good with continuing to play every single week since they can't go anywhere. You might as well go play some golf. Uh, But when we see it, like on the Corn Ferry Tour, these guys are used to winning at like minus 27, 
minus 26. You need to go out and make as many birdies as possible. It's not like playing at PGA National, something like that. And the way, at least last year, that Detroit Golf Club was set up, that it was a birdie fest. Yes, Lashley got to minus 25. Redmond got to minus 19. Uh, it was a irons and putting competition. Just going to look at it, each of the top 20 finishers last year finished with positive strokes game putting. That so rarely happens, but you had to because you needed that many birdies to keep up. It's a par 72. Two of these holes, the eagle rate is over 2.5%. So they're both reachable by anyone in the field. There's another one that's reachable by some of the longer hitters as well that – if you are not basically shooting 65 every single day, you're finished. Yeah. And that's just for some players, that's not the game that they play. Good players. That's not the game that they play. Like someone like Brennan grace, for example, like give me the hardest conditions possible. And I want Brennan grace. If it's right. going to be minus 30 in play, probably don't want Brennan grace. Yeah. I like Patrick Reed. Me too. I, I, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'm looking at this. This is the time of year. Patrick starts playing some good golf. I liked him on the weekend last uh, last week he goes, uh, he makes the cut on the number, gets it up and down there from a tough spot on 18, goes 69, 64, um, strokes in putting. He's third. He is absolutely a terrific putter on bent grass greens. How, how often are you looking at that statistic? The type of surface that these guys are putting on, because when you get into fantasy national and I'm going to come back to Patrick Reed, but when you get into fantasy national, I, I love to be able to, to distinguish between the type of grass that they're good on putting on because you see big fluctuations um, in the strokes game in putting. Patrick Reed, uh, terrific on bent grass. Yeah, I mean, he's a good putter as it is overall. Uh, I try, like I said, I try not to put too much weight into putting. The biggest thing that I like to look at for putting is do guys have spike weeks? So if you're taking like a crappy putter, are there weeks where all of a sudden that they just randomly gain four or five strokes putting during that week. JB Holmes is the best example of this. He will lose six strokes, five strokes, four strokes, five strokes, six strokes. And then one week he'll just gain 11 on the greens. It's like he saved it all up for that one week. And you always see that whenever he pops up at the top of the leaderboard, like he just has that in him. If he's, if he's just feeling it that week, he's got the stroke going, he's going to make them all. Uh, Reed is a bit more consistent, but we saw the reason that he was so terrible in round ones because he lost two and a half strokes putting in round one last week. And then he battled back throughout the course of the week with through ball striking. He never putted especially well, even during the final round last week. Bent is his preferred surface uh, in terms of strokes gain per round. He gains almost 0.4 per round, which is great to see. That's very encouraging, but I wouldn't lean into that as like a deciding, make it a coin flip type of thing. If you're down between two people and you look at it, maybe then use it. But I wouldn't just go targeting who are great bent grass putters. I think that you're getting yourself into a lot of noise for one thing, because obviously not all bent grass putting surfaces are the same. I mean, the Masters is bent grass. Uh, I doubt that the greens at Augusta really resemble the greens at Detroit Golf Club. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. (laughs) You know, Reed was T5, played here last year. Um, Good finish. It just kind of feels like a Patrick Reed type of event he uh, of course he won at mexico last year he's seventh in the world golf rankings right now you know that top five is just is like right there on his fingertips and he can he can get to it you know nate lashley last year coming into a missed four of eight cuts of course he was the alternate and then he just blitzed the field i mean just had an absolute career week plus eight strokes eight to green um plus 9.3 in putting this year he's missed one two three four five He's missed the last five cuts. <laughs> well, he cashed me a first round leader bet on the outlaw tour during the during the hiatus. 
on, on the outlaw tour. Yeah, I was big into the Outlaw Tour for about four weeks before the PGA came back. Shout out to my guys at the Outlaw Tour. Uh, I mean, I'm not giving Lashley any look here. Sometimes guys are at a place, they're settled, and it just kind of works out for them. That's great. Uh, He's not getting my money this week. Uh, It's really like the betting board sucks this week. Like, it really does. Everyone is... I think Hatton and like Hatton has won these types of tournaments on the Euro tour before. Like he won the Alfred Dunhill. He was minus 23 and minus 24. He won the Italian open. He was minus 21. I think it was, was it Austria or Czech? I don't quite remember. He won that six man playoff. Like last year he was minus 20. So if you get into a birdie fest, Hatton is someone that can really rise. And I think that people don't realize he's a top 20 player in the world. He's won two of his past five starts overall worldwide. Uh, and that was with an injury in between. He won, he got hurt, he went away, then he came back and won again. His irons have been off the charts. And like when he putts well, he spikes. He led everyone at Heritage. I wouldn't expect him to gain nine strokes putting again, but he is someone sort of like Brant Snedeker. Like Brant Snedeker is the most inconsistent player of all time. But when things go right for him, it seems like everything goes right for him. And just to kind of go back to Reed for a second, like his first win in 2003 was at a Donald Ross course in Sedgefield at Wyndham. Like I would be looking at Wyndham this week. I mentioned PGA West is another place you can look at. You can look at Eastlake for Donald Ross, but that's kind of misleading only because it's 30 guys and it's the best 30 guys. And that is not very reflective of this field this week. Yeah, that's a yeah. I like that the window. You know, that'd be that's another one to to, to look at here. And and um, you know, you look at just going through some of my my notes here. And what do you think of Matsuyama? You know, where where do you think his game's at right now? How would you handicap him coming into this? He's twenty third um, in the world. Missed the cut at RBC. Didn't play last week. Um, was showing some form before that. Six at Mexico. Fifth at Genesis. Strong showing here last year. T13. He's not putting on Bermuda. There's a guy that if he's if he's putting on Bermuda, I'm out. Yeah, he, he's like the uh, he's the anti Keith Mitchell, where yeah. only play him on Bermuda. Right. Yeah, he, uh, he's the worst putter on Bermuda. Right. I mean, he's just like forget. It. But yeah, he's, with, he's 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 not bad on Ben. I mean, to me, Matsuyama, I could I could I could see me playing him. Yeah, and Matsuyama gained off the tee and through approach at Heritage. He lost six strokes putting in two rounds. Right. That's hard to do. I think that might be, sorry, 5.2 strokes putting through two rounds. I think that's the most he's ever lost in a combination of two rounds in his career. The weird thing about Decky and the Bermuda stuff is, yeah, he's a really horrible Bermuda putter, but basically all of his wins have come on Bermuda in Phoenix. <laughs> Something about those greens in particular he's fine with. Yeah, that's where it's skewed a little bit, right? Yeah, so uh, I I like him enough. Uh, I think he's the best priced in the betting market of any of these guys. He's either 20 or 22 to one where you look like Bryson's seven to one. Webb is 10 to one. Reed and Hatton are both 14. Like, you know, if you ran this tournament, let's say 10 times, how many times does Bryson win? Does he win one of every seven times? Probably not. Does Hideki win one of every 22 times? He probably does. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. You know, Fowler, you were talking about him. Got thirty first in the world rankings. I mean, Spieth is falling. Here goes Fowler now falling. You know, from from my department of instruction, Fowler's taking on some big swing changes right now too. I that that three month hiatus was, you know, I thought was going to be good for him. I thought he looked pretty good. The Taylor made relief, hit the ball nice. Made I think he made like eight birdies, um, seven or eight birdies, and you know he's been he, he just he hadn't. He, what it looks like with Fowler to me, these are big changes he's making. Um, 
but it looks like to me he's spending so much time on the change in the full swing. His putting's loose. He's lost his putting a little bit. Um, you know, he was he lost strokes the last two weeks. His ball striking, he's losing some strokes as well. But kind of like Spieth, when he went after the distance, I think he neglected his putter. He lost his putter. He's since got it back. I see a little bit of that with Fowler right now. He's spending so much time on these swing changes that he doesn't look the same with the flat stick. Yeah, I mean, that could just be a very poor, rough four-round estimate, too. Like, that that's the hard thing about putting again. Trying to, like I said, trying to predict putting is almost impossible. So he could show up this week feel good all of a sudden he's back rolling it like ricky uh it's the off the tee stuff he's been brutal uh he can't hit a driver and if you're not going to be able to hit driver this is one place where you can kind of get away with it i've heard they're growing the rough out a little bit more uh than last year so maybe it is a bit more penal to hit the rough uh or to miss fairways but you know driving distance at this course average last year 295 yards it was almost 13 yards more than the average tour event Players hit almost 70% of fairways. Greens of regulation was through the roof. So almost anyone can kind of <laughs> drive it here. Uh, even my guy, Wes Bryan, maybe he can like crack even for the week in terms. Uh, it's a decent number on Ricky, but I just look at Ricky versus Bryson. And it's weird because like Ricky, I mean, he's not an old man by any means, but yeah. he's been around for so long. Bryson has as many wins as Ricky does in his career. Like people have this inflated thing with Ricky. It's like, oh, we came top five at all four majors in one year. That's great. It's a great performance. But when we're talking about winning, he still might even be overvalued at 33 to one. Yeah. 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 It's tough. It's tough to disagree with that for sure. You know, when it comes to Ricky, it, it's a, he's in a tough spot right now. You know, some, some, some big changes. You better hope these changes, he comes out on the other end of it, hitting his driver better, certainly than he has been. Um, he needs to get his putter back. He's not out driving, you know, where the trend is going right now, especially with Bryson. Um, you know, I don't know. Interesting time right now with Ricky Fowler. Interesting time right now with Jordan Spieth. Two whole wholesome names that do, you know, do people. Do, I, I'm I have a very bad gauge of this because I come from the DraftKings and gambling community where everyone hates Jordan Spieth. Is that like a thing, or is it just like our community? <laughs> what? Well, why do you say that? Like everybody hates Jordan Spieth because he's not performing at the level that he's valued at. No, because he's a he's what we call a luck sack. Uh, I mean, you're you're dead on the backside of a green when you should make triple bogey, and he'll chip it in. There's a yeah. 35 par putt to be made. He'll make it, but the guy can't drive or hit irons. But he's the weird outlier to everyone. You know, it's funny when you look at the ratings on TV. I mean, Tiger is the needle, right? He's he's first and foremost. Rory's second. Speed's third. Yeah, and Spieth is the most petulant person on the course, who's unwatchable. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's we've talked about this a number of times here. It's interesting to hear you say it from the gambling standpoint because, I mean, he does chip in all of the time. His 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 skill around and on the green is through the roof. I mean, from a gambling side, through that stretch when he was winning major championships, I mean, he was making putts at a clip that was just. I mean, your head had to explode, right? I mean, just what he was doing with his putter from a strokes gain standpoint. It was infuriating. It was like when Jason Day went on that run and he couldn't miss a, anything inside 15 feet in the cup. And then guess what? All of a sudden it went away. Yeah. Turns out that Jason Day isn't not only the greatest putter of all time, but the greatest putter by an eight factor of all time. Who went back the other way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Spieth, you know, he, he moves the needle. People like Spieth. Um, I think they're getting a little worn out on his behavior on the course. You know, I think he, you know, he acts you know, he, he's whining a lot, right? He's talking to you. Like at first it was like, Oh, he's talking to his golf ball. You know, he's showing him. And now it's like, all right, man, you're like, 
don't whine so much, right? And, and I think it's kind of wearing on people a little bit, but I still think he's very popular in the golfing um, community. He is, a, he, you know, I don't know Spieth that well. We've met. He seems to be a really good guy. I think he, he means extremely well. Um, but I agree, like watching him, he, he, it's an, like, I, I would sit next to you and just rather listen to it on the radio than, than watch him kind of pout, um, after a bad shot or even, even good shots sometimes, you know, it, just, it, it gets old, you know, watching these guys hit me again this weekend. It's like, you know, the winds into their face, they're one thirty, and he hits a shot. He throws it past the pin you know, like five or six paces, it checks, it comes back to 16 feet. And he's standing here and he's like, you can see, like, I thought the wind was, it's like, come on, dude. Like, you know. Yeah, just walk up and hit it. <laughs> I mean, it was like, be, we, that was a good shot, you know I mean? All golfers could stand to be a little bit more like Brant Snedeker is all I'm saying. Yeah, or Webb. You like Webb? Yeah. You like watching his, watching his style. Uh, I got to plug in my computer. Just give me one second here. We can, we can keep going. I just don't want to lose you here on the video feed. <laughs> Well, let's get some. I want to get some matchups here. I'm not ready to do this show. Um, and as we look ahead here, so Rocket Mortgage, head-to-head matchup, top two guys. I, I'm, I'm, I got, we got to pick one. Bryson versus Webb. Which way are you going? It's a double pass. I don't play a ton of head-to-heads. Uh, by and large. And if I do, it's usually the down the board guys that I really like. I I just don't find that there's a whole lot of value in the very top end. Like I I would say that based on the way that this course is set up, that Webb more than likely has an advantage over Bryson. I mean, mean, Webb's a better player, uh, at least at the moment. I know everyone's like on Bryson. He's the betting favorite. You're probably getting plus money to bet Webb. uh, And this is his kind of track. He's another guy who's won Wyndham before. He's won some of these shootouts before. He's an iron player and a putter. Uh, When you go look at the top 10 last year and look at strokes gained off the tee, it's a factor, but less so than around the green was. It's just not, whereas Travelers was a big off the tee type place where if you can get the ball striking going, you can make a lot of birdies. It doesn't really matter here. It's a short course uh, and Webb plays these really long par fours. The four toughest holes, uh, and at least in terms of par fours, are these ones that are beyond 450 yards and Webb is top three on tour coming in on holes of that length. So I would lean Webb, but you could probably find value on something better down the board. Yeah. Patrick Reed, Finau. What are your thoughts on Finau? He's won once. How's that guy, you look at him statistically, it's like, come on, dude. Like, long, birdie machine. How does he not win the Waste Management Phoenix Open is beyond me. Because Webb makes the putts. Uh, Yeah, he's Big Ricky. That's what we call him on my show. Um, He is basically Ricky Fowler, but the more gigantic version that – we, we also have a thing called going full Finau, which is he plays, you know, the hardest hole, hardest par three on the course, 241 yards. You know, he sticks it to I don't know, like 52 feet. He'll make that putt from across the green. Then he like the next hole, he'll have the shortest par five and then somehow make bogey. That's what he does almost every single week. The easy holes give him so many problems. It's shocking. He's going to go on a stretch when it comes all together and knock off like two or three wins, like within either consecutive weeks or within like a three month period, a lot like Molinari did because Molinari went from being a guy who couldn't make a three foot putt to making every putt for three months. Now he can't putt again. Um, And it's going to happen. Like you see this happen with bad putters from time to time. They hit the stretch and they go. He needs to keep that ball striking up. And since the hiatus has ended and we've returned, Finau has not been striking his irons particularly well at all. uh, And that would worry me about him this week. Yeah, and he's not as long. 
like he 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 seems like he's lost a little bit of distance too to me. It, well, these are really weird courses to kind of judge that. You have Colonial, you have Heritage, you have Travelers. Now you have this. It's not like any of these are Bombers Paradises. It's not just take out your driver and rip it. We're not playing Kapalua. So maybe he was trying to embed some more strategy to what he wanted to do off the tee, shape his shots a little bit better. Whereas Bryson was like, I, give me a driver. I'm just going to hit as far as I can. <laughs> yeah, he, he's maddening. You know, Finau is such a good guy. I mean, um, great guy. When and and I want him to win. Here he is, waste management. You know, on Sunday he's just got a he's got a birdie pat one of the last four holes to win. That's it. I mean, fifteen par five, sixteen. I know people are there. It's a short par three. It's a Seventeen, very easy unless you put it into the water. And eighteen, he hits it three thirty five down the middle. It, uh, people underrate how hard it is to close. <laughs> like this, even last week, like when I, when I wrote up DJ, I bet DJ, someone sent me a thing. It's like, well, DJ can't win anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? DJ can't win anymore. Like, cause he hasn't won in over 12 months. He'll never win again. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's hard to win. Like people give Rory such crap about melting down on Sunday. Do you know why it seems like Rory melts down on Sunday? Because every Sunday he's in the mix to win. <laughs> yeah. Guys don't win at a hundred percent clip. Everyone just compares every single player to Tiger, vintage yeah. Tiger, who did win every single time. That's fine. Yeah. That's more of an outlier, let's say. Give me a couple uh, early, early uh, look at a couple names that maybe we're not thinking about right now, like uh, you know, and Nate Lashley last year, a Doc Redmond. You got any of those in you? Yeah, so I mean, Redmond's down to like forty to one this week. Everyone's going to be on. Everyone's on him. I wanted to bet Hovland, but his odds are terrible. Like all the guys that you would want to bet, their odds are terrible. So that's not great. So if we're looking long shots, Werner last week was third in approach. He gained over seven strokes on approach. Uh, he's played well at Wyndham in the past. He's played well at John Deere. Uh, he can go and win a birdie fest, and this isn't a super strong field where he's probably not going to have a bunch of the elites coming after him if he's at the top. And he's been really close now for some time. He's played well since the hiatus ended. I know he didn't play well at Heritage, but hey, that happens from time to time. He's not a consistent player, but he's right. coming out at 100 to 1 right now. I like Werner. I, I liked what I saw at a Kyle Stanley last week. He's someone who just hits every fairway. The irons returned for him. Guy can't make a putt to save his life, but hey, maybe this week he can. Uh, he won when this tournament was called what the hell was it called the quicken loans a few years ago uh he won without gaining strokes putting he was that good ball striking and the ball striking appears to be back to that level again you know start draining a few putts gain like three strokes on the green you're doing pretty well so kyle stanley i believe he's 125 to one wes Bryan led all players in approach last week and we know he can go nuclear on the greens when he gets it going better on bench grass, as you mentioned, like Patrick Reed, good putter all around, especially good on bent. He sucks off the tee, but as long as he can keep it in the fairway, which you can do with this course, utilize those irons. He's another player who can go out and win a birdie fest. He's 200 to one right now. And my main man, see, whoo, Kim, I bet him every single week. Uh, they always list him at like 175 or 200 to one. He wins more than that, uh, as it turns out. Uh, and he has won at a Ross course in Wyndham. That was the site of his first ever win. Played really well. Tee to green last week. Couldn't sink any putts, but he's just an absolute outlier. He's someone who never play in your DraftKings lineup and only ever bet him to win because he can win. He's like the Ricky Bobby of the PGA Tour. He's first or he's last. So hopefully this week he can be first. Is Kokrak in the field? 
Kokrak is not. So there was three guys I really wanted to bet. I wanted to bet Ryan Moore. I wanted to bet Ben Ann. And I wanted to bet Jason Kokrak. None of them are playing. And Russell Henley, I wanted to bet, coming off his great ball striking week last week at Travelers. Uh, and he's also not in the field. So I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Two shots of cost me the weekend game in DraftKings yesterday. Stanley's drive on 15, hit it in the water. And Rory's double on 17. Those were the two. I was looking great coming down the stretch, and those were the two. And I was surprised, Stanley. He's usually very accurate um, that he hit it on the water on, on, on the left, which just shows you, hey, just lay up short. Just lay up short on now, that. For, for him. That doesn't matter where the flag is. I see. I was going to say for him, and that's a little bit of a different situation only because it's like the Rory thing. Like Stanley, what's it really matter if he comes T31 or T21? Like the guy's won on twice on tour before. Like he's not hurting for cash. Um, you know, play to win. And the only way that he could have a chance of winning and coming back is if he sticks it within like five feet for Eagle. That's his only out. So then you press a little bit off the tee and you end up in the water. But realistically to him, you know, Birdie's not good enough. If he wants to come back, he needs to stick it close. So I get that from time to time. There are certain players, like I said, that are going to play for the bigger paychecks on the weekend. Some of the, you know, not necessarily lesser known players, but the people with not as much status, not as much in the bank. I, I think you see them probably do the layup. They'll play for Birdie. But the guys that you know, don't need it, they're going to go out and play to get to minus 20. Yeah. Yeah, straight if he hits it, though. I mean, I wasn't surprised that he tried to hit, you know. I mean, I, you know, I'd go back and look if anybody did. I mean, I'm sure there was a number of players that were trying to lay up short of that green. They're all capable of getting it there. It was only 273 yards. Um, it's a great hole. Um, it really is a terrific hole. And, and 16 is, is intimidating. 17 is, is just a very intimidating tee shot i mean it's it's pete die i mean it's you know he's gonna he's gonna make you think a little bit off the tee and those are those are good finishing holes and then of course 18 when you can hit a 330 down the middle and just have 85 into it um there's not many divots up where dj hit his second shot um on the 72nd hole pat this has been great uh, i'm a huge fan of watching your stuff i learned a lot from you i love the approach that you take um go check out the pat mayo experience tell my listeners and followers where they can check out your uh, your content. So you can check out all of the videos up on the DraftKings YouTube channel or just you know, Google Pat Mayo Experience. You get the podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you can actually find a podcast. I guarantee you the Pat Mayo Experience podcast will be up there. I do work for Golf Digest. I do work for the PGA Tour in terms of written and video content. Uh, my written work mainly is up on dkplaybook.com, the DraftKings content site. So you can just follow me on Twitter at the PME or Instagram at the PME, uh, and you'll be able to find everything. I'll probably just overwhelm you with the amount of like content that I'm putting out. I, I would love if everyone consumed it all. Just give the quick click and be on your way if you don't care. Hey, keep up the great work, man. I'm a fan. We'll do this again and uh, go have a cigarette. All right. Perfect. Thanks, dude. <laughs> All right. Thanks. All right. Well, that's a wrap. The uh, Stripe Show podcast. We'll be back later this week and be talking with uh, Dana Dahlquist. Um, he is the coach for Victor Hoblin. Many people don't know that. Been kind of underneath the radar a little bit. Uh, Dana has been doing some really good stuff with Victor Hoblin. Victor's playing well. He's in the field this week. So we're going to uh, dig in a little bit on what's happening there. All right. Thanks for joining us here. We will see you later on this week. Stretch Podcast.